Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today. So we're talking about marriage this week, and a question I'd have for you is, do you even know what a marriage is? It's been redefined by our culture, redefined by progressives, who in their drive for secularization are separating themselves in every way possible from what God has established and what has been established in the Bible, the foundation of civilization, the foundation of Western civilization, we would argue the foundation really of all civilization. And if people reject God and reject the Bible and move away from it, there are consequences. The very first institution ever created was marriage. And what has marriage become today? Well, we often think of it, you know, I've done many weddings, and and it's become something that young people, they're not even sure they believe in it anymore. For the first time in American history, less than 50% of American adults are married. Only 45% are married, 55% are single. Marriage has fallen into disrepute. Marriage is something people say, it's been saying years ago, it's just a piece of paper. And there's a rebellion and rejection against this cultural institution. Indeed, when people do get married, often it's extremely expensive. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars because it's become a big party. And to be honest, so many couples today, many, many couples, it's all about the party. You get the ceremony over with quickly so you can be on to the party where it's expensive. And some people say, can't afford it. And they're not talking about when they say they can't afford to get married, they're not talking about living together. They're talking about they can't afford the ceremony, all the food, all the alcohol, the DJ, the dancing, the dance floor, the venue, the clothes you've got to wear. And they say, you know, $30,000, dollars $50,000 is not unusual to spend on an evening that just to party. And often there's very little thought goes into the ceremony, into what vows they're going to make. There's far more interest in going to Pinterest and seeing the latest cool thing you can do to decorate the venue than there is to find the vows that you're supposed to recite to one another and say, this is what I will do for my life. So what is marriage? What is marriage? Let's look at some scripture about what it is and and learn from what is here. And might I just introduce this further by saying, as Christians, our understanding of marriage is going to be different than the world's. Our culture has by and large, largely rejected the scriptural idea of marriage. And so we need to remind ourselves and see who we as Christians, what we as Christians believe. Here we go. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, was a profound statement. Because there the Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Here's what's interesting about this. Prior to this, God had seen, said over and over again, repeated over and over again, in the creation, God saw that what he'd made was good. Over and again. And, on, and at the end of day seven, it said God, well, God, all that God had made was very good. Now, this is profound. Therefore, when for the first time, something is not good. What is not good? It's not good for the man to be alone. We're not meant to live life alone. Now, listen, I know some people never get married, and that may be in the will of God for some people. But by and large, normally, typically, it's not good for us to be alone. And God 
said he would do something about it. With our loneliness today, people are all, they're trying to figure out their own way of addressing this loneliness issue. We're, we're social creatures. We're made for relationship. We're made for relationship with God. We're made for relationship with one another. And the world's trying to figure out how to do it. You know, maybe they deal with their loneliness through pornography. They deal with their loneliness through, through making money or achieving something. But God has given an answer to this loneliness problem, and he says, I will make a helper suitable. It's God's solution. God's going to do something here. God has the answer. This is such an important thing for us to realize in life. God has the answer to our problems. And when we reject God's plan and come up with our own, well, that it, it doesn't solve the problem. So what did God do? He made all the animals of the field. He brought them to, to Adam. Adam named them, but there was not found a helper suitable for Adam. And so, uh, again, then we move on. What does God say? So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he'd taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the institution, the creation of marriage. It was the first institution, shall we say, God made. He created this. Later on, he created government. Then later on, he created the church. But he started off, he created marriage. Marriage is the foundation of healthy human relationships in society. A society or a culture that has healthy marriages will be a healthy society. A society that has failed marriages and unhealthy marriages and unhealthy families will be an unhealthy society. And so what? And so the, we look around, and we we see a lot of unhealthy marriages, and we see a redefining of marriage. When I say redefining, let's look at what uh, Noah Webster. Now Noah Webster was a godly man. And if you can find the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, you can, by the way, you can read it all online, or you can buy the book somewhere, I'm sure. But you can look up words, and they almost read like a theological dictionary. Noah Webster was a godly man, and the original dictionary he wrote was quite Christian in nature. It reflected the values and the understanding of the culture at the time, 1828, when he wrote this. Look at how he defined marriage. The act of uniting a man and woman for life. Wedlock, the legal union of a man and woman for life. Marriage is a contract, both civil and religious, by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic felicity, and for securing the maintenance and education of children. There's a lot in that definition. We'll, we'll pick out a few points of it here in just a moment, but look at modern definition today by Webster. 
Marriage is the state of being united as spouses in a consensual and contractual relationship recognized by law. Do you notice the difference? Do you notice how broad this is, how simple, how how uh, ambiguous this is? The definition of marriage has changed. Now, now to be fair to Webster, if you look this up on the on, online today, it has a explanation that marriage, the definition of marriage is changing as culture changes. And they comment that in America, it's now legal for same-sex marriage. And so they gave it this broad definition. They realize it's not true in every country. And so they have a discussion there about how it's changing. But can we change marriage? Can we change marriage? You know, I'm often asked on campus, uh, if I'm in favor of gays marrying, and am I against gay marriage? And here's the point: they and, and they, they am I against gay marriage? And they want and they contend that if I am, I want to take away their rights. Listen, my friends, a gay person back before gay marriage was legalized has the exact same rights as you or me. The exact same rights as you or me, and that is this: they can marry a woman. They can marry, they, but they, it can't be a sister, it can't be underaged, and it can't be someone who's already married. I'm limited. If I were a single person, I would be limited in who I could marry. I can't marry my sister. I can't marry someone who's young, younger than uh, consenting age, and I can't marry someone already married. There are limits on marriage. There have always been limits on marriage. There remain limits on marriage. What gay marriage sought to do was redefine what a marriage is. This is important. It was not that they just were demanding rights. And there was this huge disinformation campaign. You can't visit your, 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 your partner in the hospital. You can't inherit money from them. Uh, these things were not true. You could visit in the hospital. You could just write. You can write anyone you want in your will. You could write me in your will if you want to. You don't have, it doesn't have to be someone you're married to. All of these things were, were false information that persuaded people that, oh, these people deserve their rights. They have the same right, but they don't have the right. They have the same right as heterosexuals, but they don't have the right to redefine what a marriage is. And that's what has happened. That's where we've gone astray. Notice, therefore, let's define what is a marriage. And let's just look at what it is biblically. Number one, it was created by God. And for this reason, we do not have the right to redefine what it is. This is God's institution. God will bless it. In Matthew 19, where Jesus is speaking about divorce, he was asked about divorce. He says, have you not read that he who created them in the beginning, made them male and female, and said, for this cause shall man leave his father and mother, cleave his wife, Two shall become one flesh, the verse we just quoted in Genesis. He goes on to say, What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Listen, God joins a man and a woman in the it, God created marriage, and God joins a man and woman, and we should not separate it, nor should we redefine them, define it. We should not separate what God joins, but God joins a man and a woman, and we are not at liberty to redefine it. Number two, it is between a man and a woman. God created marriage. It's between a man and a woman. We may talk later this week about well, what about polygamy or something. This was permitted in Scripture primarily because 
men would go off fight at war and 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 a bunch of them would be killed and the, the women outnumbered the men dramatically. But kings were forbidden from multiplying wives and forbidden from doing it for the sake of power as often as done polygamy throughout history. That was forbidden in the Bible. But it was permitted so that a woman would not be left by herself, uh, un, unable to fend for herself and so forth. But it's the model that God gave between a man and a woman. It's intended to last till death, not until you're not happy anymore, not until you have an argument you can't overcome. It's intended to last until death. This is the purpose. When Roz and I got married, that's what we said. I'll be faithful until death should separate us. We added, or until the Lord Jesus returns for us. It's intended to have children. This is the first commandment God gave. Be fruitful and multiply. This is the purpose. Now, some couples can't. But the purpose God brings together a man and a woman, this by definition would would make same-sex marriage uh, improper because a same-sex marriage cannot produce children. They can adopt, but they can't produce them themselves. And and uh, But God's purpose in the marriage is for this, and it's the only place where sex is holy and blessed by God. And yes, it is holy. In marriage, sex is, a, is created by God, commanded by God, be fruitful, multiply. That's what he meant. It's a good thing. It's not nasty. It's not dirty. It's not sinful. In marriage, it is of God and blessed of God, and it's to be holy. And what we do is different because we honor marriage. Now, now in, Roman, in, in, in Hebrews 13, verse 4, we're told, let marriage be held in honor among all. Our culture has dishonored marriage. Our culture has redefined marriage. I tell the students on campus, when you engage in premarital sex and you don't think you need to be married, you're dishonoring your parents' marriage. You're dishonoring the institution of marriage. You're basically saying marriage doesn't matter. When those say marriage is just a piece of paper, they're dishonoring marriage. Our culture, by and large, has said marriage is an outdated patriarchal institution designed to oppress women. And modern-day feminism has said we don't need it, get rid of it, and indeed, who suffered the most from it? The women. The women. And, and that's what feminism will do. Old-school feminism, it's not just about equal pay or making money at work or being able to vote. It's really, at its heart, the destruction of the family, the destruction of marriage. And who suffers most in that case? Well, the kids suffer most. And the women suffer next, and lots of times uh, selfish men can get whatever they want when that's the case. We honor marriage, as it tells in Scripture. And Christian, we may be at the place in culture today where Christians alone are the only ones honoring marriage. Don't let the world defile you. Don't let the world cause you to dishonor marriage, to think of it as just a contract between two consenting adults, not much different than a business contract to think it's primarily about uh, about business or economics, or to think it's not lasting and forever, or to think that the uh, what God has said to be reserved for the pleasures of marriage, the reserve for marriage, that those, those don't have to be left in the marriage. Listen, don't allow yourself to be defiled by the world. Save sex for marriage. Make it for a lifetime. Find the partner God wants to get, wants you to have, which we talked about in yesterday's message. And we Christians will stand apart 
And in time, in time, our families will shine like the stars in the night. In time, we'll be seen to be different. We'll have what everybody wants and what those who reject and dishonor marriage will never find. We'll have it because this is God's blessing upon us. Amen? Father in heaven, thank you for this marriage that you give for most of us and that you call us to. And we think, Lord, of how it wasn't good for the man to be alone, and so you created this institution of marriage. You brought the woman to the man, and you said the two should become one flesh. I pray today, Father, for those of us on this live stream who name the name of Christ, help us not be defiled by the culture. Help us not go our own way and do our own thing. Help us, Father, to be people who honor you and honor this institution that you have created. This is from you, and we know we're not free to redefine it. And I pray for this, Lord. And I pray for your blessing upon every marriage here, Lord. We're under tremendous cultural stress. Help us, Lord, to realize we're called to be different. We march to a different drummer. We are your people, and we don't live as the world. Help us with this, we pray. Give us your grace and strength, and we ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Oh, I'm fired up, as you can tell. This this comes up all the time on campus. This is a big issue on campus. And let me tell you, if you're a student, you've got to know what's true here because you're being bombarded with secularism and humanism and progressive ideas that will undermine your faith in Christ if you don't stand firm. That's why we come here every day, to be strong in the Word. Talk about the Word. Defend the Word. It's superior. It's better. If you're already through, and maybe you're raising kids yourself, or maybe your kids are of college age, let me tell you, this is a battleground. Maybe the ultimate battleground. Maybe this is what will distinguish Christians in the coming years is our position on sex and marriage. I think it is. So glad to have you along. If you're new, welcome. I hope you'll join us every day live at 830 in the morning or watch later in the day or listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platform. Just search for Tom the Preacher. God bless you. I love you. So glad to have you along. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.